Hello and welcome to the first Beantown Brits podcast, a podcast where some baseball loving Brits and their friends discuss all things about their favourite team, the Boston Red Sox. My name is Johnny Wall and I will be joined later by Drew Osborne and Barry Oosterbuck. And on tonight's episode, we will be looking back at the postseason for the Red Sox, a bit of act spin training activity and a preview of the 2021 season. Uh, we'll also be catching up with Adam Perry, one of the founders of the Boston Red Sox Fans of the UK group, to chat about the history and background of the group and its plans in the post-lockdown future uh, that we all hope is not too far away now. Um, before we start, just a little bit of the plans for the podcast as we go forward. Um, the main idea is really to have a fortnightly podcast where we will catch up on all the events on the field and in Red Sox true history, probably a lot off the field as well. Um, we will be having regular interviews with people from not only from sort of UK baseball, but from America as well. We've got one or two really great guests already lined up for the future. We'll be having some fun with some of the fan groups uh, of the other teams in the UK and what I will be calling a get to know you. Uh, when we will be having a chat to find out about their players, their seasons, um, quite often before we play them the following weekend. Um, and really, we're also welcome to many ideas from you as the listeners, as the fans, about what you'd like us to talk about, what you'd like to hear. Um, so please do get in touch. Adam will be filling you in on all the social media details of where to find us and, and how uh, to reach us. And so without further ado, um, I'm going to have a little chat with Adam. Um, look, Adam, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, really, just do you want to give us a bit of history, a bit of background about how you got into baseball and how these sort of Boston Red Sox fans of the UK group sort of started out? uh certainly certainly it's really exciting this i mean this uh we're a bit late to the show uh as opposed to most other fan uh fan clubs but we're here and uh this is really exciting so thanks everybody who's uh helped um make this possible and we're looking forward to many months of success and enjoyment um so as far as i'm concerned i uh, i became a fan i guess i did camp america back in the old days uh the end of last century and uh, it was actually in Maine. I was a bit of a Patriots fan before then, so that was my sort of uh, Boston thing. I did a camp up in Maine, and it's really that simple, actually. Straight after that, I had some good friends who were fellow councillors. I got taken to Fenway Park, and I have to tell you, it was as simple as that, really. I just fell in love with the place. Uh, it's, it's, you know, an easy thing to say, as people do. That's why we've got a lot of uh, Red Sox fans here, because Fenway is just something special. And since then, I've been, uh, I've been hooked. I've been an addict. And uh, I've gone back many, many times and, and really got involved in the community, uh, which has been going for some time, actually, uh, Jonathan. Uh, it's uh, been going for some time. So uh, we started off in, I think it was probably about 2002, 2003, and back in the days when we were still cursed. Uh, a lovely chap who's still one of our number, Ian Betterson. Uh, who was living in London at the time, I think, was uh, responsible for, for getting us all together. And, of course, those were the days before Facebook, if you can even imagine a day before Facebook and Twitter and everything else, uh, where he used to send out newsletters via emails. Um, but it was the start, really, of our big meets. He used to go to the Sports Cafe uh, in Haymarket in London, and that's where we saw a 
uh, Break the Curse in 2004, as you can imagine, uh, incredible scenes uh, there. And that was, you know, the, the, the times of uh, uh, Johnny Gould and, and the, the, the uh, Channel 5 baseball show. So uh, it was a great time to be a baseball fan. And I guess since then, um, we've continued with regular meetings. We had the advent of social media. Um, so uh, book pages were set up, just we were quite late to Twitter. And through that, really, we've uh, arranged lots of meets. Uh, we've um, done lots of work. You know, we've raised a few good few thousand pounds for charity, including Macmillan, as well as Great Britain Baseball. And we're sponsoring Worcester, uh, Worcester UK. Um, sorcerers, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about uh, a bit later. So, you know, we're really proud of the stuff that we've done. Uh, we sold merch. Um, obviously, 2019 was a huge year for us, as you can imagine. We had meetings both at Fenway and in the UK, where um, we invited a lot of our friends from the, the US stateside. Uh, we had over 300 people at our event at London Fields. Um, before day one or day two, I can't remember. It was such a blur uh, that weekend, uh, and and that's great because we have really sort of integrated with uh, the the US fan base, which I'm I'm really proud of for the group. And you know, a lot of us have made friends that uh, I know that we'll be meeting up in future years, uh, both over here and more. You know, uh, more importantly at Fenway Park. So. It's been really, really good. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to sort of move on with it. We've got lots of exciting plans. This is, I think, a great, a great thing for the fan club. A bit of a voice for us. I'm really uh, thank you for you know getting me to be part of it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm going to be doing sort of a, a few interviews for yourselves. I've got some exciting people set up. Don't want to give anything away just yet. Um, and yeah, just just to come and do some interviews and obviously give updates on what's happening. Uh, in the future, uh, as you said, uh, the giddy days of post-lockdown. Yeah, great. So how can the fans find us as a group? Where Do you want to give out the handles and addresses? I do, I do, as he reaches for his mobile phone very, very quickly. So <laughs> our Facebook page, uh, which I think is, you know, our sort of long-established uh, way of uh, us all getting together and having a good chat, uh, can be found uh, at Boston Red Sox fans of the UK. That's Boston Red Sox fans of the UK. There's so many different ways that we can say this. Uh, our Twitter feed is uh, UK Red Sox fans. That's fans with an S, F-A-N-S. Uh, and our, uh, we've, we've been a little bit in, inactive, underactive in our Instagram, but I can tell you that that is now because the wonderful Drew, who's with us, is going to be doing a bit of work on that. And that's just Boston Red Sox fans of the UK. So uh, we'll put that all up, won't we, um, as part of this feed, and uh, we'll be pestering over everyone. Yeah. Uh, the next plans, Johnny, is at the moment we have a meet at uh, the world-famous Passyunk uh, Avenue in London's fashionable West End uh, on the 23rd of May, and uh, you need to hit our social media platforms to find out a bit more about that. We're just working out the plans, uh, the rule of six and so on and so forth. But we're working with Passyunk to make sure that we have it all legit and everyone is safe. But at the moment, that's a six o'clock start against the Phillies. That's our first planned uh, meet. And as I say, Johnny, uh, you know, as we say on the um, all the social media feeds, if people, I live in London, you live in the South, Barry, of course, hopefully will be uh, arranging stuff 
north of the border. But if anybody else wants to help us arrange some of these meets, that would be fantastic, you know, and I will help out and I'm sure the rest of the team will help out as much as possible to facilitate that. This isn't a London-centric group. It's just I happen to live in London. I've happened to arrange these meetings. So we're definitely open to that. And I definitely would look to try and get up for uh, for some games and we're also looking to do some sort of event with our with our sponsoree the the Worcester Sorcerers uh at some stage so uh keep your ears peeled for that one great look Adam that's thank you very much for coming on tonight and just giving us a bit of background to those who maybe have stumbled across us uh, and didn't know too much about sort of the UK uh fan group that we've got and that we're all part of and I know that you'll be a, a fairly regular contributor. I know we've got a few plans, especially as our ML, uh, sort of minor league, I should say, uh, roving reporter. And that we're going to do a sort of a monthly sort of catch up on what's going on down at the uh, farm, let's say, and, uh, and a sort of regular updates on our uh, Worcester uh, sorcerers, who we're sort of very pleased and proud of to have a sort of good tie up and relationship with. So thank you very much, Adam, and we'll speak soon. Great. So obviously that was great to, to hear from Adam. Um, now I'm going to have a chat with two good friends. Uh, first off, Drew Osborne. How are you this evening, sir? Yeah, good evening, Johnny. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Good, good, good. So like we did with Adam, sort of why the Red Sox? How did you get into baseball? Well, first of all, I think it should start off with my dad, really. My dad's is... Uh sports nuts i think uh, i grew up in an environment where we were going to school football cricket rugby whoever and i think most days or evenings either watching live or watching or going past the living room and seeing sport and tv and sitting down and taking an interest of it and i think on this particular uh morning i think it might have been a sunday morning or a monday morning in the summer i can't remember in about 1999 uh Dad had the Sunday night baseball game on Channel 5 on, on tape. That's how long ago we're talking about the old VHS. <laughs> I remember those days. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think uh, I think he just about had enough room for a ball game on one of those tapes, just about, if it didn't go to extras. And uh, and the game, I, I think, quite common around that time, about that era, uh, was Red Sox-Yankees on Sunday night baseball quite a lot. Uh, so the Yankees were playing Red Sox. Didn't know a thing about the Red Sox or baseball in general, really, at this point. But Dad, as he always did, uh, he told me the, the basic rules of it so I could follow it. Uh, watch the game. I mean, it, and it comes down to, I hate to admit this, but the ultimate start was more anti-Yankees than pro-Red Sox because the Yankees had this sort of uh, awe about them being Manchester United. And me, me growing up as a West Ham fan and not being too successful a football fan, grew to hate and be jealous of Manchester United in the 90s, yeah. and I made that, that, that very quick link. Yeah. So uh, so very anti-Yankees anti with that. And Dad said, that's, uh, you've, you've picked a good game to watch then because the Red Sox can't stand the Yankees. They're a big rivalry. And I watched the game, and I, don't, I can't see players. I can't see players, but I do vaguely remember uh, a walk-off bloop single for the Red Sox in the bottom of the ninth. And I enjoyed it. And... Uh, my dad, when I said I asked him questions, my dad always brought me up by saying, well, look it up. Get a book and read yeah. it and look it up. Yeah, we didn't have a book. No. No, so I, uh, I looked up about this curse of the Bambino and I fell in love. And I, that was it. And I was like, uh, typical, I, I, I think it's the West Ham in me a little bit where... Put uh, myself a winner. Yeah, no yeah, put myself a winner, be a chaser. 
and I didn't have to wait too long, did I? It was five years, really. Yeah, no, no, uh, true. That was very and, true. But that's where it began. And uh, I remember following uh, the four days in October, uh, that, that famous concert, uh, come back against the Yankees. And it wasn't, and I followed bits and pieces, but I think it was more from 2011 onwards that I became an everyday nerd okay. of the game yeah. and followed it. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, I'm going to ask the sort of similar questions about. It. So, who was your favourite player past? Who was your favourite player sort of over the years of being a fan? You can't. You can't. You can't you know, we can all say Ted Williams, but he, you know, none of us. Yeah, <laughs> David Ortiz is obviously a, a, the popular choice. There, I, I was a huge Dustin Pedroia fan. Uh, I loved the, just the way they. Uh, Kevin Euclidus, yeah. uh, Kevin Kevin Millar. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good entertainment. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, pitching wise, obviously you got Pedro, uh, Pedro Martinez is growing up. Uh, but no, I think I think I'll stick with Dustin Pedroia. Just like the fact that he, he would just lay his body on the line every every day. Yeah, and well, well, I was very that's... very sad news about his retirement, but it was yeah, coming well, for a while. We'll, we'll catch up with that in a minute. A little bit, just to obviously discuss that in a minute. Um, um, so okay, cool. So, any this is the other question I was going to sort of had, and I suspect I know your answer now. If you could choose one player in the past to have for dinner, who and why? It's going to be Kevin Millar, actually, not Dustin, uh, because uh, I just think he's a really funny guy. I do like uh, the work he does in the, on the social media side of Facebook now. Uh, I love his favourite uh, quote: uh, "Don't let us win tonight." Uh, when he was getting stick from uh, Dan Shaughnessy during when they were three 0 down in the playoffs. Uh, so that would be my guy. I think he's just got some brilliant stories, and I would, uh, I would make fun of him losing thirty nil when he was playing for the Orioles as well at the end of his <laughs> career. So I, I think that'd be good fun just talking to him, to be honest. Good, right. And now I'm going to introduce Barry Ustabek. Barry, how are you? You're right. I'm very good, thanks, uh, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. So, so like Drew, how did you get into the Red Sox? And it's it's a really funny story. I was really small, really small and young, and we were on holiday. And my mum bought me this baseball hat, and it had the Boston logo on it. And at the time, he said, "No, it's the B for Barry." And <laughs> it just grew from there. And then obviously, he started looking up. Wait, what is it really? The Boston Red Sox. And um, at the start, it was really hard uh, at that time. No internet. Um, only snippets here and there on TV in Belgium at the time. Um, and it really, it really just 2004, that's when it really all started getting mm. crazy. Um, and I started following the Red Sox religiously. Um, just that whole, like Drew, the whole story around the curse, uh, being 3-0 down, nobody had ever come back being 3-0 down in the playoffs. And just that entire atmosphere around it, um, just... You could you couldn't not fall in love with the Red Sox at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a, there was there was the real fairy tale as it was then. Um, so obviously, what's your what's sort of your favourite moment as a supporter? I'll take it. Let's take two thousand and four out of the way. Come on, we all know two thousand four is two thousand four taken out of the way. It, it has to be twenty eighteen uh, for me. Just that whole season, just from from start to finish, even at spring training, we looked absolutely phenomenal um and all throughout the season you just knew there there wasn't anybody really if we played that we the way we knew we could play there wasn't anybody that could beat us that season and it was just just a phenomenal season altogether 
Yeah, and then so favorite player. Um, very similar to Drew. Uh, if I take it, like go back to the past, Kevin Millard definitely has to be up there. Uh, Varitek, uh, even though catchers don't really get the glory as much, um, Varitek just seems like such a, a a great guy and. And in more recent uh, years, and it pains me because they traded him this offseason, would be Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> I just, I just love Benny, and it's still a sore one to this. Yeah, day. well, we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about that a little bit in the, in the past. And, and if you could have one player from the past to a, to dinner party, why? It, it has to be Varitek. Has to be Tech. It just, yeah. um, the whole. I think he, he just would have so many fantastic stories. Uh, over the years and he just seems an overall nice guy and yeah, yeah. you could you could find out all about what he really went on with him and a-rod when he put his mitt in the uh, in his face and probably actually at that point turned the season anyway there we go right great well that's it's good to hear i, I guess for for me uh i grew up uh as a cricketer what really fascinated me wasn't really the hitting was the pitcher. I love the mentality of the pitcher being a, a bowler, opening bowler myself. So the attitude and the kind of the almost the loneliness. Uh, it's almost loaded to the batsman. Uh, and obviously at that time, so the late 90s, the arrival of Pedro with the, you know, the so glow hair, so becoming an America style hair and all of that sort of stuff. It, you know, he just he made it for me, just his whole character. And um, yeah, that, 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 it sort of escalated from there, I guess, into a full-time love affair or a, a plenty of times when I've almost felt like it should be divorced, but uh, and they keep bringing me back in every season. Um, so, so yeah, so that's for me, my favorite player, I guess. I guess my favorite moment I would say is actually Johnny Lester's no hitter. Just, uh, you know, that was a really, just, just that was just a special game, special performance. Uh, you know, there were many Pedro nights. Um, so that night when he reared up and sort of just at that end of the Yankees game, sort of early 2000s, where he just started striking out the side and having almost been sort of hit out of the attack. And it was just, it was, it was astonishing. Um, and I guess really, if I could invite anyone to dinner, who, well, my favourite player now, I actually should say, really, uh, sort of following on from you guys, um, that's a bit of a hard one because we've had such a bit of a turnover recently. Um, but I guess really over uh, over recent time, Johnny Lester, a big fan of, uh, oh, Koji, big on Koji time, love Koji time. Uh, you'll see there's always a picture element to me. And I guess really, if I had to get anyone to dinner, it might well be Koji, just because I just think he'd be nuts. I just think the conversations would just be almost Monty Python-esque in silliness and, you know, in daftness. It just got that impression. So there we go. So, right, look, let's let's talk about the postseason. Um, first of all, Alex Core is back. Good, bad? What do you think, guys? What do you think, Drew? Uh, grown on me, actually. Uh, uh, obviously, we loved him in 2018, but obviously with the, uh, the science-stealing scandal with the Astros, I was a little bit mixed on the announcement of it. I was generally surprised that we did go with him. Uh, but as, as camp has progressed and as I've got over it and had slept on it for a bit, I thought he, it's more of the personality for the clubhouse, and I think it's something that we do need as a team. And people do deserve second chances. Uh, he's been punished. You could debate... With the MLB, could it have been a life ban or a longer ban? 
but at the end of the day, he served his, his punishment. And same with like uh, Hinch as well. He could get another job along the line and we just move on from it. And just hopefully that uh, that whole episode's behind us and we can move forward. And you'll probably hear it at Yankee Stadium, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's something to add to the rivalry, I guess, and we move on. But it's definitely going to make us a better team this year. 100%. Yeah, Barry, what, what was your thoughts? You yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much with Drew on that. Um, I loved Alex Cora and his first stint as, as our manager. Um, a bit shocked, obviously, when the whole uh, Astros uh, thing came about. And um, But looking at how the players responded to when, when Alex was re-announced, re and you can just feel the excitement from the players on social media. Uh, they were all excited. They, you can all tell they love Alex Cora. They all love working for him. So from my perspective, if he's good enough for the players, then he sure as hell is good enough for me. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I was, I was surprised. Uh, mainly because I thought uh, John Bloom would go his own way. I thought he'd try and sort of go down the course of this is the sort of manager I want. Not that Alex Cora wouldn't have been his sort of manager, but I just thought it was putting more of his blueprint, his stamp of authority on the team in terms of the management. However, I, 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 I think it was a deep down, probably from above, that they wanted Cora back. They were prepared to accept Cora back. Uh, and, you know, like you say, Drew, I think everyone deserves a second chance. Yeah, he's going to have to go through a bit, but hey, he played for the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. He knows what's coming. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be big enough uh, to do it. But I think what's also been fair to say is he's been very contrite and he's not tried to hide from it. He's not tried to deny it, etc. He's been up front. I got it wrong. Should I have taken more responsibility at the time to stop it? Yes. Um, and, you know, I think you know, if we don't give people a second chance in life, then, you know, really, who are we to deserve one if we ever cock up? And we all do. So, yeah. So then obviously, let's talk about departures. I probably ought to come to you first, Barry. <laughs> and for those tears, I can see them flooding down already. Benny, gone. Yeah, it's it was... Um... It was coming. I, I could feel it was coming. There was too many rumours floating about that, that the Red Sox were, were shopping Benny about. Um, at one point, there was talk that, that he was staying, that the, the pitching staff had been speaking to him and they were impressed with what they had seen. Um, but then I woke up in the, mor the, in the morning seeing that we had traded him to Kansas and it was just, I'm, I'm still slightly heartbroken about it. <laughs> um, I mean, every single jersey I have uh, has got Benny's name on it. Uh, my my entire personal baseball collection is is Benintendi, so it's it's a very sore one. Um, so it's but, nostalgic now. No, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, put salt on, but it's a little nostalgic now. Uh, Drew Bradley's gone. The, the last of the uh, three Bs is also gone. I think we should take a moment just to celebrate the three Bs. As well, yeah. I think you could argue that one of the best uh, best group of outfielders together we've had in franchise history. You can argue with that sure. 18 side. Uh, I didn't think a line. I mean, the, I don't think a line drive was going to get past him. It felt like sometimes around 2016 to 2020 almost. Uh, they all contributed, didn't they? We all know about Betts. Betts is huge contract with the Dodgers. But like Bradley, Bradley obviously had his clutch moments in the playoffs most notably, and obviously his glove was. I don't think I could be watching the game for another 50 years and I don't think I'll see a better set of fielder than him uh, mm -hmm. defensively. And obviously Benny had his moments. I, 
with regards to Benny, uh, I think we gave up on him a little bit too quickly. He had a, he had a ropey 2020 year, but we should just chuck every, and this is someone who likes his stats in baseball, you should chuck uh, everything out from 2020 and just forget about it. And, and I think he deserved a little bit of a chance. And I think he's better than Kansas City, who are definitely, if we're not in a rebuild, they definitely are. Uh, so, but maybe you'll flourish for change, and we wish him all the best. He's American League, so Barry, you do get to see him three times at Fenway every year. Uh, so maybe for your trips, in your trips, if you really go over, maybe it just coincidentally be uh, Kansas City uh, on the on the home stand. But uh, yeah, I just think we should just take a moment, just to, yeah, it's sad it's over, but we're very lucky to have all three at the same time. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Although I, I highly doubt I would. Uh, plan to go over and see the Kansas City games <laughs> just because I think just seeing Benny in, in white and blue just it, it just doesn't feel right and I, I have to agree I think we gave up maybe slightly too quickly and I feel like we've traded him when his stock was that low um, we, we might as well have, give, have given him another season Yeah, I think for me I, I, it's a difficult one yeah there was an element of probably could have given him another season I think I I think there's been a bit of a hole in his swing for a little while now. Uh, and, you know, he, 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 it's, he burst onto the scene. He was red hot for probably the best part of a year and a half, two seasons. And then since then, if you look at the progression, it's just, it's downwards. And I think for them, they were thinking, well, look, he's arbitration. He's going to get some money up here. If we can get something for him. And remember, obviously, the, the idea of the, of, of the senior management team and the organization is, is is to rebuild depth and if he offers us something where we feel we can get something back and i think this is the problem with bradley bradley's obviously he we you know you make him an offer a qualifying offer and it, it's a lot of money for a guy that let's be honest is 240 hitter at best a lot of the time has his hot streaks okay yes he is very good defensively but you know then he's not so so big he's got his intricacies but he's not so big that you can't get a you know, you know center field is not the problem at Fenway so right you field. know right field is the bigger problem and I just think they probably felt that there was better value in bringing someone in like well obviously we'll talk about some of the signings in a minute like some of the people they brought in who offer a little bit of difference but would be adequately enough in defense okay not stellar but adequate enough so i think that so that's good let's talk about obviously dustin pedroy sad that he's retired your thoughts people i'm almost relieved uh, i said earlier my love for him uh, it was like a, a, a slow death at the end of his career and i think if he stayed healthy this whole career i think he would have had a real good chance of being a hall of famer uh he's not going to be that now it's not hasn't quite got enough uh uh, numbers to pad that out for a long enough career, I don't think. But uh, I, I think he'll still stay involved in the organisation. Mind you, I keep saying that about VTEC for a while as well. Uh, it'd be interesting what he does after after his career. But yeah, a bit bit more relief. I think it, I think he needed to do it for himself. And I think he said in his press conference, he was uh, he just he wanted to make sure that he was healthy for the rest of his life. And he's still yeah. a, a person under forty. And I think he I think he done the right thing for himself and we still got archives of him yeah barry yeah, your thoughts i totally agree um i was one of these people that loved pedroia's energy the way he played the game and just the way he spoke about the team the way he spoke about the game it's one of those people that you love listening to and 
in the end, it was it was painful. Every time there was a glimmer of hope that he was going to get back to playing, there would be a setback to his injury, and it was just it was it was really sad. And it's sad that he retired, but I do think he will be involved in the Red Sox in one way or another quite quickly. Um, I watched him do a video for the for the players at the start of spring training, and he's such a motivational person. And mm. I think that we 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 could use someone like that in the dressing room, um, even as a bench coach or so. Um, I think he would be great for that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he's I think he's I think he will become a coach. I think his personality, his force, and his drive. You know, he's an incredibly competitive man, and yeah. I think it just for me. Uh, look, uh, I thought he should have done it three years ago because, quite frankly, no one's ever come back from that sort of amount of knee surgery in any professional sport. And I know baseball may not, in some ways, be the most taxing. Um, you know, you just don't come back from from that when you've got to move off and you've got to push off off the left knee. You know, it's just it's it's just it's just it's not going to work. Uh, I think long term, Drew. Sorry, you. Yeah, I thought I think we've already seen him being a bench coach in the uh, particularly in the 2018 playoffs didn't we he was a massive yeah. cheerleader yeah, good that point, side yeah. of that so I think he's already shown the pedigree of that and I think he wants to be part of it but he might need a year or two just to separate himself from playing into that because it might be a bit too close to home at the moment yeah so and I'm, I'm just going to make a note here because uh, on this one I'm, obviously Rizny Castillo has now left the organisation he's gone to play in Japan and on behalf of me as a Red Sox fan, I've got to apologise to the poor guy because he never got a chance. Uh, and that he got burdened with that, with that contract, which made he was pretty much unemployable on a major league roster for a rookie. And I felt that one or two times early in those first couple of years, they really should have given him a go. I don't think he got a fair crack. Um, so for me to him <laughs> on this podcast, apologies, good luck in Japan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of him uh, with the poor socks, particularly in lockdown last year. The MIIB website gave you free games. So that's the only time I really got to see him in the end. It sums it up. Yeah, yeah, sad. Anyway, right, let's talk new signings because there's been quite a few. I've got so kind of a list here. So obviously got Hunter Renfro, uh, new outfielder. Kike Hernandez in from the Dodgers, uh, Matt Andresi, obviously coming from the Angels, uh, Adam Ottavino, which we, I'm sure we will touch on, Garrett Richards, uh, got Franchi Cordero, uh, we've got Mr. I got no idea how to pronounce his name, and continuing a man that I love the Japanese and the Japanese baseball, uh, Swayamura, let's go with that, and then obviously Marwin Gonzalez. What? Anything there excite you guys? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that, Drew? What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, I think to start with the Japanese pitcher, uh, Sarah Rora, uh, it's definitely not listen to Jerry Remy's pronunciation of it and do something different would be my advice with that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm quite excited about the pitching in general, actually. I think, uh, we, I mean, any anyone who's vaguely into baseball will know that the Red Sox pitching for the last two years has not been good enough, and that's why we struggled. Uh, I do like the idea of... Uh, Ottavino, I've, uh, I did text my Yankee friend uh, when it happened saying, is he all right? Is he, is he healthy? Because I thought, how have we got that sort of deal? So I think... I think and need... to be fair, given the Yankees' health issues they've had the last couple of years, that's a very fair question. Yeah, I'd say, what's wrong with him was my gut. Why are you doing this to us? Because I liked him. I, I liked him from the other side looking in. Uh, and I think that will take this stress out of uh, Barnes as well. I know Barnes is a little bit... 
hit and miss with some of the Red Sox nation in terms of reliability. But I think a lot of that was because he had the weight of the bullpen on his shoulders. So that will help him. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think both me and Barry are going to talk a bit about uh, Kike Hernandez. I think that's the one that we've seen coming out of spring camp. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, is that bats have been impressive. It's only spring training, but it's the idea that he's taken on the leadoff hitter role. And it looks like it's here to stay yeah. with that. He takes takes his pitches, he takes his walks, he gets his on base up, and he can. And the common thing with uh, the Red Sox this year is they can play multiple positions, which I think is going to be very useful if we do get yeah. injuries in terms of the roster in general. Yeah. Uh, so they're the two ones that I've got that have stuck out for me uh, from this year. But there's a few others as well that uh, it's exciting. Okay, Barry, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm. Electra says Kiki Hernandez for me has been the. Like the shining light during spring training for me is in terms of the new players. Uh, he just seems like, again, an overall nice guy. He's come in, he's not been afraid to take on that leadoff role. Um, he has got background with Alex Cora, where they know each other from in the past. So, again, that's something that seems to work really well. He seems good at bat. Um, his decision making seems really good. And he seems to be just a player that can excite the fans. Um, so yeah, he's the one that really excites me of the new uh, the new signings. Um, um, yeah, for me, uh, look if I if, if I go down the pitching side, uh, I think you know Garrett Richards, if he is healthy, has a chance to have a real good bounce back. And honestly, we need e, uh, Erod to come back strong. Obviously, he's gone down with a dead arm, and you're never particularly. Uh, happy to see that in spring training. Although I understand he, he's been throwing lot, he's been tossing and throwing ball already. So you know, I don't think there is too much of a worry of that it's probably just a bit of fatigue. And for a guy post COVID like he had it last year, you can probably understand why there might be one or two teething issues. Um, Ottavino, I always wanted the Red Sox to sign him when he first became a free agent, and I was pretty disappointed they didn't. So I'm pleased to see him. You know, there's a lot of talk he had a bad year last year. You look at the stats, he had one bad start where he got left in way too long. And then actually you look at all the rest of the starts and he was dominant. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I expect he might have a bit of chip on the shoulder, a bit of a point to prove, which might be quite nice. Um, you know, <laughs> Franchi Codera is going to be fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it strikes me almost a sort of yes and Puig. It's either going to be absolutely awesome or there's just going to It could be an utter disaster waiting to happen, but it's going to be fun trying. So, Barry, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Otavino, when you hear him talk, he seems to have that chip on his shoulder where he, he feels kind of aggrieved to be to have been traded. So I think he's he's extremely motivated, especially against the Yankees that he's, want, he's going to want to show that they made the mistake of trading him. Um, Cordero as well, he's, he's been labelled as a sick note, uh, a player that can't stay fit. So again, at, when, you, when you hear him speaking in, in press conferences, he does seem to have that chip on his shoulder. He wants, he, he's come to the Red Sox, he wants to prove that he, that he can be that player that he was labelled to be when he came in as a rookie. So it'll be exciting to see that. Yeah, and I think one of the things, and actually you touched on it, Drew, was uh, with all the players, there's that kind of, I guess if you look at the uh, the way the Rays were always built, it was always kind of built, built fairly cheap and cheerful. But for me, the sort of buzzword is utility. Everyone seems to be able to play two or three positions, and you kind of think of that and you think, actually, that's quite clever, because what it means, it makes you very adaptable. 
And so if, if, you know, if you had a two first basses, uh, but you desperately wanted to play both of them because they had really good ability to hit the right-hand pitcher that was, they were facing because he was a big fastball hitter or something, because one of them can play somewhere else, you can almost get them in and take someone else out. And I think that's a very clever way of trying to build matchups in a, in a really effective lineup on a day-to-day level. And whilst these guys are probably all still kind of getting there at bats and playing. So it should be interesting to see, I think we're going to see a lot of sort of daily rotation of the, uh, of the lineup in, in the many positions. Yeah. Well, I, uh, going along with that as well, you don't know how teams are going to cope with 162 again, uh, you know, in terms point, of, yeah. uh, in, in terms of players, fitnesses, right. Uh, they've had a better, pre-season spring training preparation of course there but you don't know if players are going to break down playing playing back to back to back to back games so I think that utility obviously you can give along with us having the DH as well which I know is a bit of a bugbear in the game at the moment because the National League won it now as well uh, it's it could give players a chance to have a day off knowing that we've got cover in certain positions as well so I think that could well as well as Hopefully we don't have COVID. I know we, the Red Sox last couple of days had a couple of COVID scares uh, going into that. But uh, mm-hmm. if there is a break of three or four players going out of COVID, hopefully in terms of position players, we should be okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that I think that's right. Uh, so let's let's get into obviously spring training has been good. There's they played pretty well. There's been some there's been good performances. No one's really putting up numbers of concern. Um, let's talk about sort of the group as we see it as the sort of starting day sort of uh, sort of projections uh, of the sort of the roster um infield and catcher uh you know I, I think Vasquez uh, apparently he's coming really fit this year I haven't seen a lot of spin training I've got to see him out he's coming really fit this year again but someone probably with a little bit of proven again I think also someone who probably really sort of saw Cora as a bit of a father figure. So I, I, I was kind of think, hoping he'll have a good one. Obviously, we've got a little bit of backup there this year, which is good. Uh, and, I, and the infield is just so much better. Uh, you know, it just seems so much more balanced. But with Dalbeck, you know, it be interesting to see whether he does cool off post spring training. But you know, this guy could be a this kind could be a real bit of a stud going forward. Uh, he just he seems to be able to hit the ball, hit the long ball, and uh, it should be fun times. Um, and then the rest of the outfield, well, look, you know, you've got the Kiki and Andes, we've got Sanders still, he's, he's great. Devers, I'm still concerned about his, his fielding. And I think he's got to improve because if he does have a bit of a down dip with the bat, we do see some regression because people are really beginning to work him out. It can be a bit of a liability as much as a, as, as a positive. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm going to say it now, Bobby Dalbert, Rookie of the Year, I'm calling it. Calling it in uh, the brave part of. Uh, I think that's a fair show. If, if he, if he, if he, if he's uh, hard, I think very fair. Uh, uh, and he does just about qualifies because he didn't, uh, didn't don't think he qualified from last year. So I think he does count officially as a rookie this year. Mm. So that's my early shout for that. Uh, in terms of obviously Bogarts, I think I know they don't believe in it as much as baseball as they used to, but I think he takes the role as the captain in in the clubhouse. He won't put a C on his jersey, but I think he is the captain. I think we all know that. So I think we're a big year from him. Uh, obviously, we said about Kike already. I love for that. Hopefully, he shows that. And he's come from a winning uh, clubhouse as well with the uh, reigning champs last year. Uh, so that's that's obviously going to be good for a winning mm-hmm. mentality. Uh, I like Travis. I think the rumours that Travis is going to start in Triple A, uh, yeah, which I think 
yeah. which is really, really, really harsh uh, because he's had a really good spring training. But uh, uh, that's that could be one of the ones that we could be excited for for a call up maybe during the season. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and regards to Devers, you talked about Father Figure with Vasquez. I think that definitely applies to Devers as well. Maybe mm-hmm. that will help him in, in a long season. I know, uh, I know Cora definitely is very passionate about the infield, and I think it's been said on the TV coverage a few times that uh, when they, when they, when they did three errors in the first week in, the, in an early game, uh, they did a lot of fielding drills the next day. So I think that side, <laughs> of, side of things, it's an, almost like an old school football mentality, right? We, we can't defend the corner, so we're just going to practice that the next day and we'll get you in on extra training. So maybe that will work with that. And our defence has got to be good because our pitching's improved, but it's, our, our fielding needs to be backed up. Yeah. yeah, yeah Barry, uh, any, call, any thoughts? I think uh, Dahlbeck, again, um, He's been so exciting to watch in, in spring training, um, just his overall play. Um, and I think his one of the best things for, for, for Dalbeck is he doesn't seem to have that, that pressure or the expectation like uh, Tatis Jr., uh, Acuna Jr. All, all seem to have. So everybody seems to be really focused on them as the rookies and, and what they're going to do this season. So I think it might be good for, for Dalbeck not to have that pressure. So he's free to play his game. And I think he'll be an exciting player and we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, yeah. So obviously outfield, all change. Let's be honest, there's only really Vidago that's still here. And I'll say I loved having him last year. I thought he was great. Fun. Um, um, so yeah, so that's good. Um, and then the rest of it, you know, I think we've got, again, it's a bit of mix and match. I think Renfro, you know, he's a decent defender. Can he hit? Let's hope he can get back to where he was uh, 17 through 19. Um, <laughs> could I, as we talked about Frenchie Cordero already, we have no idea what's coming there. Um, but we've got some people who can, who can play in the outfield as well, who can offer a bit of utility. So, you know, it's not the stellar killer bees in terms of, Public defence and sort of the name, but I, I don't think it's a bad outfield. Yeah, I mean, for Dugo, uh, you've already touched upon this. He, he plays like a child, doesn't he? He plays like uh, he's in Little League. And uh, uh, I think the highlight reel of him robbing that home run in an empty stadium and it echoing around Fenway last season was one of the few highlights mm. we had in 2020. Uh, and I think uh, he might have a chip on his shoulder because he was leading off and it looks like he's not going to be lead off this year. So maybe him hitting seconds, that might bring him a little bit more offence. I do want to talk about JD. I do want to talk about Martinez. I'm a little bit concerned yeah, 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 yeah. about good, him. Good uh, easily get to get the DH. Yeah, uh, and he can play outfield. So I think it's just about the right segment. But... Uh, he didn't hit well last year. It was only two months. He, he made it quite publicly. He was annoyed at the criticism being only from two months, judge a career on two months. I think he's his phrasing of that. But I don't think he's picking up the ball too well so far in spring. Now, David Ortiz never used to give a damn about hitting in spring training. So maybe once once the calendar goes to April, maybe it'll be better. And it, once he gets video footage during games, which they're allowed this year, uh, it, we might see JD evolve. And I think he could be the glue to the offense uh, if he can hit 300. I think he's key. I think he's key. He makes that lineup tip without him, that threat in the middle. And you kind of then think, well, why are we playing him at DH? Because you know, <laughs> you know, we we need we need we need hitters. Um, Barry, when any any thoughts on the outfield? Yeah, JD? no, um, it's it's one of those right now where we had this fantastic outfield, stellar outfield, the killer bees, 
and now it's, it's like a lesser outfield and again a lesser expectation so I think that mm-hmm. might be good for players like Renfro, like Cordero there isn't that expectation I think even just in general the Red Sox for this season before spring training we were labelled as a team in, in rebuild and we weren't going to do much and we come into spring training and I think we've surprised a lot of people and I think it just in general we look exciting and um, Renfro I, I remember the other day I was laughing at, Ant, uh, at Adam Adam says oh I'm not sure about Renfro and two seconds later he hits a, a two run home run and so it's just overall I think it's just an exciting team to watch right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's fair yeah yeah, very quickly about that. As long as they catch the routine plays, I mean, we were spoiled with the uh, with the killer bees, as we call them. Uh, as long as they catch the routine plays and they hit for average, uh, that will do. It's like that will be absolutely fine. I mean, they might not get many highlight reels this this year from the Red Sox at Fenway, but as long as they're doing the routines, there's not many E nines or anything like that. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. So, pitching now. It's been our Achilles' heel. Let's be honest for. A couple of seasons now. Um, I guess that, you know, no Chris Sale is going to be missed. Uh, but, you know, something told me 19, just there's, there was just something wrong with him. And it, it obviously, we knew he had some elbow issues, but like all these things, they, they try and hold off it, they try and hold off it. You know, it's part of me that thinks, just get it done. If it's bad, just get it done. Don't, don't try and mess around with it and kind of play your way through it. Um, but obviously, the great that his his Tommy John year was twenty twenty. When yeah, what a good season to kind of miss. Uh, obviously, getting Erod back is important as well, uh, especially off his nineteen. He needs, but I, I do feel that there might be a little bit of health issue there. Um, other than that, there's projects, and it's got a chance to be actually a lot better than it could be. You know, Richards and people like that, uh, Pavetta, but. You kind of still think that they might just let us down again. It's a it's a real hard call. Barry, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the make or break of our, of our season is going to be the consistency in the pitching staff. Um, offense seems to be ticking along absolutely fine, but you're still having that awkward feeling if you see like, oh, pitching, who's going to start today? Well, it's going to be a long night. And I, th- I, still, I still have that feeling sometimes. Um, obviously last year was, was dreadful but as I said to Drew earlier I, I don't think there are many teams in, in, ML, in, in MLB that could t- have two of their starting pitchers out injured and with COVID and still have a decent season um, so last year I, I don't even really consider as, as a benchmark but no. this no. year I think it looks, it looks exciting Um Erod back. Okay, what what's, what's your good. thoughts on the bullpen? Um, I've not seen enough to say I'm confident about the bullpen. I still think we're a few key players short of mm-hmm. being back to where we were, like 2018. What do you think about that, Drew? Uh, I think the key to all the pitching staff, actually, is uh, can they stay healthy? Uh, which I think we have touched upon about that. You know, I think uh, uh, Erod before uh, before uh, he missed a start this week uh, has looked 
class above everything else that we've seen in spring trading. And I think he's going to have a stellar season. I'm not at all worried. The only sad thing for him is he actually misses out on the opening day starts. But him being announced for it uh, was a statement enough for me. Uh, I think Nathan Amoldi, uh, he should have a chip on his shoulder. He signed a big contract. He looked stellar in 2018. I think everything went right in 2018, basically, didn't it? Uh, but uh, we need him back. Uh, Garrett Richards, first couple starts at Ropey, but that's what spring training is all about. So oil the cogs and, and go again. Uh, but he's looked better in the last start or two from what I've seen. Uh, I like Whitlock. I like Whitlock from the bullpen. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the cusp trip away, but I like Whitlock a lot. And uh, it's backed up by the media when I've done reading some articles with that as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, Ottavino, we've already said. Andres, perhaps. Uh, you know, it's, it is one of those things. As long as it's... We don't have to be top of the American League for... ERA to uh, to get into the postseason. We just need to be not rock bottom. I think. I think we just need to be like even sixth or seventh or eighth in ERA. I'll bite your hand off for. And I think we could say right, bring on. What's what's our record going to be? That's why I think about it. But they've got to stay healthy. And when we talk about season predictions, that's going to be a big part of it for me. Good. Okay. So now the big one: predictions. Where are the Red Sox going to finish this year? Drew, do you want to start? When is, what's your thoughts? Come on. Positive, negative, playoff? I'm always positive. Uh, I'm always positive at the end of March. Uh, it's always a fresh page, uh, to quote uh, 42. Uh, if the pitching stays healthy, and I can't stress that enough, I think we'll get 85 to 90 wins, and I think we'll get a wild card spot. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. I... I, I I can't get over the fascination of uh, the Toronto uh, club. Uh, they've got good hitting, but so have we. I think their pitching isn't quite good enough, as 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 uh, as ESPN are trying to tell me. Uh, Baltimore, obviously, that's 19 games. That's a bonus, but that gets cancelled out by the Yankees. But then the Yankees have had a few injuries popping up as well. And I think it's really fun this year that, it's nice that we're not being mentioned by neutrals. It's nice that we're not being mentioned on the podcasts. And it's a case of, over to you, New York, uh, you're meant to win this division. This is meant to be your window to win a World Series. It's been an awfully long time, New York, since 2009. <laughs> uh, over to you. Uh, we've, won, we've, won, we've, won three, uh, we've won two since you last won one. We should be like that and quietly go along our way. They're not going to beat us nine out of ten like they did last year. Uh, so yeah. I'm being optimistic, but if we lose two or three pitches again, then uh, it could be painful. But I'm going to stay optimistic because it's not even yeah. April yet. Why not? Hey, hey, exactly. Let's do that, Barry. Yeah, I'm I'm very optimistic on that part as well, and I think we are looking. Um, for me personally, we're looking at mid 80s to to high 80s in terms of wins. Um, I just I don't I don't think we'll win our division. I think. Wild card is definitely our, our where we where we will be in my opinion at the end of the season, um, and as long as we beat the Yankees plenty of times, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> okay, so well, I, I got you know I've got to make sure I. So for me, I'm gonna I guess because I can't sit on the fence here. Um, for me, I, I'm a 500 guy. I have been sort of probably since January February time. It's my thought. Um, there is a ceiling where if it all goes right and pitching stays hot and, you know, we can hit. Uh, yeah, I could see us getting to 85, 86. 
I could also see the other way. If it doesn't go, I could easily see it's losing sort of low 70s and it could be another another long sort of distant summer uh, of memories of the distant uh, distant times of success. But um, it, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just, I don't know. And I think that's the thing about this year's team is that it's a case of we don't know. There's almost an element of, well, 2013, I think, is where you can draw some parallels. The 2013 were... A bit of an unknown team. They'd have two bad years. Uh, they brought in some a load of almost a bit like this, some good quality. I don't want to say journeyman because that's disrespectful, but you know, good solid pros who who can do a job. And when they all mix together, they will have a role and a glue. And of course, the Boston Marathon mass uh, sort of bombing kind of helped with that. Um, it's amazing how often it kind of generates something to stick together again. Uh, so that's me. I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. I, I feel like we've went from pre-spring training where we were, oh, this is going to be a horrible season. Uh, then spring season started and everybody's gotten more and more excited. And some people are now saying, yep, we're going to the World Series. So it's, we went from one extreme to the other. So um, if we make the playoffs, I'll be happy going by last two seasons. And anything after that's a bonus for me. Some of the optimism, though, could just be like happiness that we're going to get, a, looks like we're going to get a full season. I think that was the worst about last year was 60 games. I love the fact that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it was a sprint last year. And it was it felt very unbaseball for me, unbaseball if you like, for me. So I think part of that optimistic is... We've got a chance to correct things. And if we're there or thereabouts by the trade, we could maybe uh, uh, add to the bullpen or we could maybe uh, add a starter for a team that might be dropping out. But because it was a sprint last year, there was no there was no, no chance if you fell behind. If you fell six games yeah. behind uh, the wild card, that was it last year. It was 10% of the season. So that's also probably part of the optimism. I'm just glad it's starting April 1st. <laughs> and I feel like we're getting we're getting back to normality. Uh, of course, so that, of course. Given given that it's been under the COVID environment, April first could just be the worst April Fool joke we've ever had. <laughs> but please, no, I'm, please, I'm sure it's don't. not going to be. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to be. Uh, yeah, you know. And flip side of that, of course, if we get if we if we're awful in the trade, I I can see some trades happening. I, I think Bloom will will basically get rid of the next loss along the line to sort of build the farm if, if necessary. Um, so yeah, I think I, I just don't know. It's, it's that's that's the great thing, and of course, the best thing about this year, let's kid ourselves not, the fans are back, and the difference the fans can make. You know, George, who runs the UK Astros, you can he'll have a great debate with you about everything. So you can have a lot of fun with him about it, but you know, the Astros got quite lucky last year, and they didn't have the fans giving the players the grief that they probably were going to get. Now, is that going to transpire in 2021 when we're two years past? Cora, is he going to start getting a load of grief? Not maybe, it probably will get some at Yankee Stadium. It's going to, that's, that's obvious, but is he going to get grief elsewhere? The positive, the impact of playing in front of fans again, raising people's games, but also flip side being in Boston, as we all know, it's a hard place to play sometimes with the fans there actually in the stadium and the media. It, it, you know, so what difference is that going to play this year? So it's, it's, look, the great thing is we got baseball back. We've got fans in the stadium. We're going to see 162 games. They are going to have some laughs. We're going to have some joy and we're going to have some, you know, some tears. Hey, that's why we follow sport, isn't it? Absolutely. That's exactly why we do it.
Yeah. So great. Look, guys, thank you very, very much for having a chat tonight. It's been a lot of so that's our first podcast. I hope people have enjoyed it. Just a couple of sort of sort of news bulletins, sort of important messages to get out there. Um, obviously, start of the season next weekend. Um, just want to bring to people's attention. There's two things happening in the UK fans, baseball fans sort of environment next Sunday. First of all, the uh, Bat Flips and Nerds guys are having a sort of online virtual party to celebrate. It's in link with Passing Avenue, obviously that Adam mentioned earlier. There's a lot going in there. There's going to be some breakout rooms so you can have sort of your own sort of team breakout rooms. So, so that could be a lot of fun. And something that I've been part of, which makes its uh, return this Sunday, is In Play Runs, which is run by the MLB community, which is a lot of laugh. If you've seen Soccer Saturday, it is Soccer Saturday with British baseball fans talking a lot of rubbish, um, but having a lot of fun doing it and enjoying the games. Uh, and I actually had a blast on it last year, and I'm hoping they'll invite me back. Who knows? We shall see. So that's those bits out of the way. Again, let's go over the social media for you. So Facebook, you can find us on Boston Red Sox Fans of the UK. Twitter is at UK Red Sox Fans. And Instagram is Boston Red Sox Fan UK. So let's just go again. Facebook, Boston Red Sox Fans of the UK. Twitter, at UK Red Sox Fans. And Instagram, Boston Red Sox Fan UK. That's all for today. We'll see you in two weeks. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of pleasure. I'm Johnny Wall, and we'll speak soon.